thank you, Lord, for the presence that we feel here already, God. Lord, I pray that you would move in a mighty way, God, that you prepare our hearts for your word, Jesus. Lord, we love you. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name, Lord, let that be, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. You may be seated. I'm going to attempt to get this thing to work. Well, it is an honor and a blessing to be here and to be able to speak. Um, I always... Um, I'm very humbled and honored to have this opportunity, and I, I take it very, very serious, and I'm thankful for it. Amen. I give honor to Pastor and Sister Showstrand. I just love them. So thankful for their leadership, their voice in my life. Um, I know many here feel the same way. Amen. Amen. Well, is it working? It's working. So we have been growing apostolic legacy, and what a Tremendous word we heard this morning about building that legacy. Amen. Amen. So, um, and the, the Spirit of God has been in this place this morning. It's been carried over into the worship, and everything's just been flowing. Even to what Bishop just said, it flows right in with what the Lord wants to have accomplished tonight. So I'm thankful for that. I love it when everything lines up like that. So we're going to begin here with uh, 1 Kings chapter 15. We're going to read a few verses out of here. It says, Then Jeroboam built Shechem and Mount Ephraim and dwelled therein and went out from thence and built Peniel. And Jeroboam said in his heart, Now shall the kingdom return to the house of David. If this people go up to sacrifice in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then shall the heart of his people turn again unto their Lord, even unto Rehoboam, king of Judah, and they shall kill me and go again to Rehoboam, king of Judah. And verse 28 is what I want to focus in on for a little bit. Whereupon the king took counsel and made two calves of gold and said unto them, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold thy gods. O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. He said, it is too much for you to go all the way to Jerusalem here. Here are your gods that brought you out of Egypt. And I'd like to also turn now to the New Testament and just keep this in mind. This is where we're going to end at. John 16, says, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Amen. I'd like to talk for a little bit about overcoming in a world of idolatry. Overcoming in a world of idolatry. Would you pray with me one more time that the Lord would have his will in this place? Jesus, we love you, God. We come to you again, God. I pray right now that you would speak to us, Lord. Speak to our hearts, God. Your word, God, your will that you would have for us tonight, Lord. I pray that your perfect will would be accomplished, Lord. Prepare our hearts for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we live in a very convenient time. It's a very nice time to be alive. I, for one, love my technology. I know the, the youth here also enjoy their technology. They like it so much that a lot of times on Wednesday nights we have to take away their technology. Uh, but I do enjoy my technology, and we do live in a very, very convenient time. And every now and then, we're reminded of this. You know, I put up there a couple of images. These are 
not the only examples, but you know, our phones. Last week, uh, we switched phone plans and there was like a, a three hour window where we had no device and we were disconnected. And the worst of it was Bree wasn't with me and we didn't know what to do. Like, we just eventually found each other at home. Like, hey, look, you made it. It's amazing. Like, we didn't know how to, to there was no way for us to communicate. We had plans, and we, the plans didn't work out. I got tied up at one place, and I couldn't let her know. And so she was trying to go somewhere, and I wasn't there. And it was just a mess. But we're, we're so addicted, and maybe not the right word, but we're so connected to these devices, right? We, we rely on them now. We depend on them. When, just a few short years ago, we didn't have them. But we're so used to them now. I don't know if you guys know that middle picture there is a Google Home. You'll be seeing lots of advertisements for them here pretty soon as uh, we're getting into the Christmas season. Uh, but I have some, anybody have like Alexa or a Google Home or any of those, uh, yeah, those uh, uh, home devices? And it has made me even more lazy than I already am because I have, I've connected my lights, some of my lights to these. And so if I want to turn on the lights or turn off the lights. I'm going to activate Shane's phone here, but I'm going to say, okay, Google. And all I have to do is say, turn on the lights and the lights will turn on. And so much so that I've gotten used to that because I don't put them in all my rooms, but every now and then I'll be sitting on my couch and it's like, oh, I got to get up and turn on the light switch. Ah, oh, this is such a pain. Are you kidding me? We're, we have such a convenient time now. We're and living in such convenience. Uh, I put up there, there's a picture of the video doorbell. You can answer your door now from the comfort of like your couch, or if you're not even home, you can just look at your phone and you can say, and you can open your door, or maybe not open your door. If you have the locks, you can. Uh, but you can get all that. We have such a convenient time, but we have to be careful. And I'm not against this technology. I, I, I use it a lot. But we have to be careful with all the convenience and with all the things that can come into our lives that it doesn't pull us away. Amen. That it doesn't somehow we get so complacent and so convenient that we're not getting into his presence anymore. We're not getting into uh, some of the things that we need to be doing. Okay, so we have to be careful about some of that convenience. And here I read a story out of uh, 1 Kings where Jeroboam was convinced that his kingdom, this is when the kingdoms first split, and he was convinced that his kingdom, if they returned back to their place of worship, they would then leave him and they'd go back to Judah, and then that would be bad news for him. He would lose his kingdom, and they would probably come after and kill him. He knew that. He knew he had to come up with a way to get them from going back to where the Spirit of God dwelt. And so this is the plan that he came up with. He says, uh, he, he says this is too much. This is how he convinced him. He, first of all, he, he makes these idols, which we'll talk about here in a minute, but he makes these idols, and then he thought, okay, this is gonna be a hard sell to these people, because for one, we have a story where this kind of happened earlier in history, and they probably knew that. And so he thought, okay, how am I gonna convince the people that they shouldn't go back to Jerusalem? And so here's what he says, it is too much for you to go to Jerusalem. He says, yeah, come on, that's so much work. You want to gather your things and, and travel all that distance and go all the way to Jerusalem? You don't need to go through all that. You don't need to do all that because that's just too much 
work. It's too much effort. Here, here's a, an easier option. He said, here's a place that's closer. It's more convenient for you. This is what you should do. And it worked because the people did that. What I, what I want us to understand or take from that is we have to be careful because some of these conveniences can slip into our hearts, can slip into our minds. We start thinking, well, man, it's so much work to, to get up and get dressed and get the kids ready and come to church. Boy, I could just watch online. Oh, I, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm very thankful my kids have been sick. I'm very thankful that I'm able to watch online when need be. But it's not a substitute for being around God's people and being in the presence of the Lord. There's nothing that can, that can be the same as that. And so if we're not careful, the enemy knows that he could try to convince us that it's too much work. And here's an easier option. Here's a church that's closer. Here's a church that maybe it doesn't require as much. Or here's a place that you can go and you can do all of this. And boy, wouldn't this look nicer? And if we're not careful, the conveniences of this world can pull us out of the presence of of God. And there's no convenience. There's nothing in the world that's more important than getting into the presence of God. That's it right there. We have to keep getting into that spirit, into that presence. And so we can't allow these conveniences to get in the way. So that was the first thing he did. The second thing he did, he said, okay, it's going to be convenient. But the second thing he did was he made these idols. He made these, these golden calves. And when I first read this, and I've always, honestly, until recently, when I read the story, I always thought, he's an idiot. How, how did the people, and, and, and no offense to the Israelite people, but they're idiots. How would they fall for this again? We have a story, right? Do we remember when, when Aaron and uh, God got really mad and told Aaron, you know, here's what you're going to do. You're going to, um, you know, first of all, he almost just wiped them off the planet. Moses had to fight for them and had to intercede. And, and then what ended up happening was still like 3,000 of them ended up dying. And then he said, okay, that golden calf that you have, let's melt that down and we're just going to make your people drink it. I think you would remember that. <laughs> I think you would have a, a memory of that. And so I thought, why would he do this exact same thing? Well, when you look at it, you find out that it wasn't really the exact same thing. It wasn't, he didn't just say, okay, guys, here, um, because the people would have knew. They would have knew. He came, he didn't come and say, all right, here's your idols, here's your cows, we're now going to worship those cows. Okay, forget all that stuff we used to know, forget all that uh, stuff we've been teaching you and, you and you've been practicing your whole life and the generations before you. Forget all that, we're just going to, we're going to start worshiping this cow. That wouldn't have worked. Okay, the people would have known that, no, this is not going to work. What the cow actually was, and I, I tried, I don't know if you can see it, but it was probably the ox that were underneath the brazen labor of water. And that it was in Solomon's temple. And that everyone, all, everyone could see that. When they would come and they would worship at Solomon's temple, they would see those, those, those brazen calves. And so what he was trying to do wasn't like, okay, here's a new God, but he was trying to say, okay, here's, hey guys, remember that, Remember when you'd walk in and you would see that brazen labor and you would see those, here's another version of that. It's a newer model. It's a modernization of it, okay? Here's a, it's just a small little, little change. Can we read that in 1 Kings 7, 23? We don't need to go there, but verse 25 says, it, it stood upon the 12 oxen. So he was building on the former form of worship. He was letting them remind them, remind them of that. And then he was saying, but this 
this is better. This is closer. It's the same thing. We're, we're not an idolatry, guys. Just relax. We're not worshiping them. We're still worshiping Yahweh. We're still worshiping the, the God. We're just going to worship this image of God. Okay? And so what this represents to us was a, a twofold attack that he gave. When he first said it's convenient, and then he said it's just a small concession. Just a small change. Nothing to get worried. It's just a little substitute, right, guys? I mean, you guys are used to going to Jerusalem. You're used to seeing this. And here I'm just going to make this small change. The problem is there is no substitute for the presence of God. There is no substitute for getting into the presence of God. And, and that's, where he, that's where he made his mistake. He said, here's this imitation. Here's this substitute. It'll be the same, guys. It'll be just the same. But it wasn't the same because there is no substitute for getting into the presence of the Almighty King. And so what he had done was he opened the door to idolatry. He didn't really start it, technically speaking. He was still breaking a commandment, but it wasn't that one. And he said... You know, I'm going to make this small change, and it's going to be more convenient. Guys, you're going to love it. Now, and I'm not against change. I'm not against uh, modifications. I'm not against making things more modern. I think that's great. But if any changes, if anything we do takes me out of the presence of God, I want no part of that. I want no part of that. I want to be in the presence of God. I don't want to water down one little bit. I don't want to take down any of this truth. I don't want to take down any of the spirit that we feel right here. It's not worth it. Amen. Young people, hear me. Don't forget what pastors taught you. Don't forget what your parents taught you. Don't forget what the pillars of this church instilled in you. Just because something might seem more convenient and just might be like a little substitute, the enemy is out there to kill to steal, and to destroy. And he would like nothing more but to lead you out of this church and out of this presence. He'll try to convince you, oh, it's not a big deal. It's just a small little change. It's just a small little, hey, th th it's just like you used to worship, just, you know, we got more fog machines. I should, I'd be careful. <laughs> just a small change. But if it pulls you out of the presence of God, if you're not experiencing the power and the might of the Holy Ghost, where lives can be changed, where you can feel healing, where you can feel renewed, where you can, where you can overcome, if you're not getting that, it's not worth it. No change is worth that. And what we find out is what had happened was those small changes very quickly turned into idolatry, full-blown against the will of God, idolatry. 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 30 and 31 says, And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. So this was now the seventh king after Jeroboam. Seven generations later, and it came to pass as if it had been a light thing, as if it was nothing, for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he took his wife Jezebel, the daughter of yeah, see from this far, Ifbah, king of the Zidians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. Seven generations later, the king married the princess of an idol-worshipping nation. And when he married, he also began to worship Baal. He brought that idol worship because you know what? Once they already had the statue... 
once they are already taken a couple steps away from God's original plan, it wasn't too far of a leap to then say, okay, now this can be my God too. And that's exactly what happened. And the people accepted it. And the reason why the people accepted it, I, again, I was always confused by this. I thought, why does Israel keep falling for the same mistakes over and over? Why do they keep falling for it? And when you look into it, you start to realize that it was because of worldly values. It wasn't simply, well, we're just going to stop worshiping Yahweh and we're going to start worshiping these fake gods. It wasn't quite that simple. It was they wanted worldly values. They wanted things that the world values in their lives. And that's what Baal had to offer them. See, we read that Baal was known as the rider of the clouds. And what that means is he was supposed to bless the rain. He was supposed to bring down the rain and bring down the water. And when Baal would do this, this would obviously bless their crops and they would have economic value. And so the people were like, okay, our king has now married this other idol-worshiping nation. We're, we're kind of joining forces. And hey, look at, we're getting, we're getting prosperous from this. If Baal's going to help me with my crops, then I'll, I'll take the help. I'll take the extra economic value. I'll, I'll take that. Uh, it was acceptance of that worldly value of trying to get more and to, to gain more. And that's what idol worship is all about. We make those small concessions out of convenience. And the eventual fruit of that is going to be worldliness. The eventual fruit of that is going to be worldliness. The acceptance of of what the world values. And we can, I could go on and we can see in pop culture and we can see example after example of even churches that are accepting worldly values. And we can see that over and over because it starts with that small change and then all of a sudden, hey, more money sounds great, right? And, and, and we can use, you know, well, then we can bless the church. And we, but ultimately their ideas were not for good things. Their ideas were for building their kingdom. And that's why all of a sudden they're able to welcome in this idol worship. And so today, what are idols for us today? Well, it's what the world puts value in. Okay, these are fillers. Okay, fillers. When we feel down, when we feel empty, God is supposed to be that for us. When we feel down, when we feel like we don't have enough, and we need, we need God to fill us, that's what the Holy Ghost is about. That's why he gave us the Holy Ghost, is that we can live overcoming lives, that we can have life, and we can have life more abundantly. But what happens is when we separate ourselves from that presence, which is what happened here, they separate themselves from that place of worship, then all of a sudden, well, what are you going to go to to fill that void? What are you going to go to to have that filler? And so you, you go to what the world values to fill. That money, that's what happened here with Israel to Baal. Friends, relationships, uh, greater achievements. But if I could just reach that top level. If I could get more promotions. Huh? If I could get a higher rank. If I could just make more money. If I could just be, boy, I need more people underneath me. If I could just be in charge of something. Then I would feel fulfilled. Then I would have what I am looking for. You know, if I have to miss some Sundays, well, that's just the cost. But I, I, look at me, I'm building my kingdom. Look, I'm getting all these things. And it sounds so obvious as I'm sitting here communicating it, but how many times do we fall for this? 
It's such an easy, easy slip where I'm, I'm just looking, I'm, I'm looking for things to fill me. I, I want joy. I want happiness. I want peace. Guess what? You can have all of that through God. You can have every single bit of that through the gift of the Holy Ghost. If you go to anything else, it's going to leave you tired. It's going to leave you empty. It's going to leave you forsaken. And that's what happened here. So, some other definitions I found, I thought communicated it well, was uh, whatever we treasure more than God, whatever drives our thoughts and our actions, that becomes an idol. And these idols dull our spiritual hearing and harden our hearts to the things of God. That's what is happening here in Israel, and this is what affects our nation today. It's what affects us today. Uh, Another uh, quote from Tim Keller is a, an author. He wrote, anything more important to you than God, anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God, and anything that you, seek to, that you seek to give you what only God can give. These things are what are idols. And it doesn't mean that those things that I mentioned are bad in and of themselves. It's not a bad thing to get promoted. It's not a bad thing to, to have that ambition, and it's not a bad thing to have these, uh, to, to want to do better. But the moment, it's your substitute for the Holy Ghost. That's when you get into trouble. The moment you say, I don't need God, or I don't need church, or at least I don't need it as importantly as I do this. The moment that happens, here's where you're in trouble because not only the obvious would be it's sin, but not only because it's sin, but because it's going to fail you. It's going to drop you. And that's what we see. We see this happen with Baal. Eventually, it's going to drop you. I, I also saw uh, Sister Jen Huey uh, posted a, a, a quote from Brother, or Reverend Lee Stoking. I thought that was perfect. It fit right in with what um, the Lord was saying, says, sin will take you farther than you are willing to go. It will keep you longer than you wanted to stay. And it will cost you more than you're willing to pay. Amen. That's what these worldly values, this worldliness, these idols, that's what it will cost you. It will cost you more than you're willing. Those things will not bring you joy. They won't bring you peace. They won't bring you fulfillment. Those things will not help you overcome the world. It will just trap you. It will just trap you. Philippians 3.19 or 17 through 19 says, Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have also for an example. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Verse 19 says, Whose end is destruction? whose God is their belly and whose glory is their shame, who mind earthly things. That's what the idols of the world today will get you on. It'll get you on earthly things. When you, and you know what the end result is? Destruction. The end result is destruction. And I'm sure, you know what? If we go back, I bet you there are examples of families in Israel's time where they still worship Yahweh. They maybe still went to church occasionally. Maybe they, they even maybe still prayed occasionally. It wasn't like they completely rejected God. It was just they had this insurance policy with Baal as well. They just said, okay, a little bit of uh, worldly value will help me as well. So I can, I can do both things. And you know what? You might be able to do that for a little while. For a little while, you might be able to start accepting and going after these worldly idols and these worldly things and, and building that nation or that up and you can also still come to church look i'm still coming to church look i'm still i'm still praying i'm, I'm still coming hey i'm able to do this but not for long not for long eventually 
that worldly, uh, that worldly idol is going gonna, is gonna to fall. Eventually, it's going to bring you down. And that's what happened here. And we read in 1 Kings chapter 17, it says, And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, according to my word. That's why they worship Baal. That was the whole reason why they brought Baal into their homes. They brought this little statue and they changed their lives and they said, we're going to focus on this idol. We're going to focus on this one thing. The whole point of them doing that was so that Baal would bless the rain and would bless the dew and their crops would be blessed. But guess what? The worldly things that you desire, the worldly things that start to consume you, they don't fulfill what it is you're trying to get fulfilled. Oh, they'll make promises, but they won't keep those promises. You can keep making more money and still feeling unfulfilled. You can keep getting more achievements and still feel like, man, I, maybe I need to get another promotion. Maybe I need, to get, I need to get a higher level. This is why we see it over and over and over where uh, famous celebrities, rich people who, who seem to have the whole world, they, later it comes out and they reveal that they deal with anxiety. They deal with depression. And we have numerous examples where they lost the battle to that depression. They lost the battle and they gave in. And they should have everything, right? Everything that we put value in as a world, they had. They had the great houses, multiple of them. They had the great cars. They had, they had everything. They had the celebrity. But yet, eventually, eventually, those idols will fail you. What you put your value in, if it's not Jesus, eventually, it will fail you. And it will leave you feeling tired. It'll feel, leave you feeling anxious. It'll leave you feeling depressed. And, and we see this in our world right now. We see this all over the place where people are more anxious. They're more the spirit of division and everyone's mad and everybody wants to fight about everything. And we see this all over the place because that's what it produces. That's what it produces. The only thing in this world the only thing in this world that's going to leave you feeling fulfilled, leave you feeling peace, leave you feeling joy, is a relationship with Jesus Christ, the one true King of kings and the Lord of lords. If you can tap into his presence, if you can feel his peace, that's the only thing that's going to give you the fulfillment that you desire, is to get into the Holy Ghost, to get into his presence again and again and again. It's got to be more than just once. Every time you're feeling empty, every time you're feeling tired, every time you need a little more, you get into the presence of God and you can experience the one true God, Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. That's what we need. That's what you need to seek. That's what you need. This is why Jeroboam was trying so hard to keep them out of the place of worship. That's why he was trying so hard. He made every excuse. Let me put this in your way on Sundays. Let me, let me make this a little bit more difficult for you because he knew if you could get into the power and in the presence of the almighty king, the enemy knows that he loses you at that point. He knows that no offer, no worldliness, no, no pleasure, no, no enticement, nothing could ever compare than the love, the joy, the peace, the fulfillment that you get when you're in the presence of the Almighty King. Oh, if you've never experienced the gift of the Holy Ghost, I want to let you know that it's here for you today, that you can tap into that, and all of a sudden, all the fulfillment you'll get from Him. You'll get that from Him. If you've had the Holy Ghost for a long time, guess what? You need it again and again 
and again. You need to tap into that presence. God, I need you again every day, Lord. God, I need you to fill me up every day. Hey, man, you can overcome when you get into that presence. All the world offers is tribulation, feeling empty, anxious, depressed. But God fulfills all of it. You can overcome. You can overcome through him. This Friday, we uh, had our P7 overtime. We were over at Christian Life Center, and uh, they asked me to uh, speak for a minute. And I just used what I was going to speak on tonight as my example. But, and I talked about uh, arm wrestling. And I said, you know, uh, if you've ever arm wrestled, I don't know if people still do that. I kind of made fun of myself a minute because I, I guess that was cool. Probably not, but I did it. And, <laughs> and uh, whenever I did it, you know, it was like, oh, you're manly if you can, you know, beat them in arm wrestling. And so I realized, though, very quickly, the only chance I ever had at winning in an arm wrestling match is if I won right away. That, that was it. You know, maybe if I, on go, and I would go when I said three, like as soon as I could, I'd go, because that was the only chance I had at really beating. If at any point I felt myself in a stalemate, where you go and we're kind of I'm teetering back and forth, I knew I was toast. I, I wasn't going to win. And at a certain point, there's that moment of no going back, and your arm starts to fall, and you're like, okay, I, I don't know, three o'clock, and you're trying, to, you're trying to keep your arm from falling down to the ground, but you know there's no way you're going to be able to overcome all the way up. That's, that's what the world does, is it puts that pressure on you, and, and it puts those worldly values on you. It says, oh boy, you're not successful if you don't have this, and you're not successful if you don't, if you don't have this much money, and if you don't have this big of a house, how much square footage do you have? And oh, if you can't get that car, if you can't get the, and, and it puts this pressure, and it puts this anxiety, and it feels like it's too much for you to handle. It's too much for you to overcome. But through Jesus, but through Jesus, you can overcome. Through Jesus, you can overcome. Oh, you can overcome. The answer is Jesus. You don't need to live a life that is dictated by what the world values as important. I feel like saying that again. You don't have to live a life that is dictated by what the world views as important. You do not have to live a life that's filled with idols that never produce. They never live up to their promises. You can have peace and you can have joy. I started with this verse, John chapter 16, verse 33. He says, these things I have spoken unto you. Why? That in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. In the world you have tribulation, but in him, in Jesus, you can have peace. Oh, our world so desperately needs peace. Oh, and we're not immune to it. We're in this world. We feel, we feel the pressures and we feel the anxiety. Oh, if we could just have a spirit of peace overcome us. Jesus, God, I pray right now that a spirit of peace would overshadow us, God. Lord, I pray that you take away the anxiety, God, of our day, God. Lord, I pray I rebuke depression in the name of Jesus Christ, God. Lord, we need peace, God. We need the peace. Oh, Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. In verse 7, And the peace of God, which passes all understanding. That means peace 
that does not make sense shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. What am I talking about? I'm talking about peace that you shouldn't have. Peace that you shouldn't feel, that comfort that you shouldn't have. I should be in despair. I should be in desperation. I should be, I should be curled up in a ball of emotions, but instead I have peace. Why can I have peace? Because the joy of the Lord, because the Holy Ghost, because God overcame the world. Anything this world throws at me, God's already overcome it. So you can have peace. You can have peace. I can remember when I first started teaching. And, uh, you know, first-year teachers, students will tell you, are, are not good. And I, I was not an exception to that. I was not good. Some would argue if I am yet. I don't know. But um, my first year, I remember feeling so anxious every single night. I'd go to bed knowing, oh, I'm going to have to get up. I'm going to have to deal with kids. And they're not going to be nice to me. And I'm being bullied by middle schoolers. What's going on? <laughs> but I remember... It's true. I can remember, I'm making light of it now, but I can remember getting off of work and just, just dreading it and just feeling anxious and just, oh man, I gotta go back tomorrow. And, what, and I remember I mean, asking other teachers, what can I do to improve? And what, what can, what, how do I handle these situations? What do, I, what do I do? And I was just so anxious. It was towards the end of the year and we had corporate prayer. And I can remember coming into corporate prayer and I can remember just saying, Jesus, I have no idea what to do, but I just give it to you. Oh God, I just give it to you. And the peace that swept over me, I've never felt like that again. I've never had that feeling again because I just had that peace that God's gonna take care of it, that God's gonna take care of it. You can have that peace. If you struggle with anxiety, if you struggle with, with depression, you struggle with worrying about getting up, or, or when you go to bed, you, you, your mind races to thoughts, and I want you to know there's a peace for you. I want you to know there's a peace you can have. Another example, uh, we recently lost our, our, our dear friend, uh, Sister Caitlin Brake. I know the, the youth in Hyphen uh, were close with her, and I remember going to her funeral, and her mom and her, her dad both got up, and they... They had such a peace about them, like an unreal amount of peace. And I, they said, and she said, I know it's shocking almost. And people keep saying, eventually it's going to hit me. And she goes, every morning I get to step back into his mercies. Every morning I get to step back into his mercies. And yes, of course they miss their daughter, but they have a peace which passes all understanding. Yeah, you're right. They should be in despair. Yeah, they, they shouldn't be able to get up in front of all those people and testify about how good God was. But you know what? They were able to do it. They were able to do it because he, they had a peace which passes all understanding. If you suffer from any anxiety, I want you to know you can conquer that tonight. You can leave that at the altar tonight. You can leave that right here. In fact, we don't even have to wait. Right now, I pray, God, that you would remove every, every bit of anxiety, God, every spirit of depression, God, that has plagued our society, Jesus. You are the conqueror of that, God. You overcome the world, Jesus. I pray right now, victory in your name, in the name of Jesus, Lord. We love you, Lord. We worship you, God. Can we just praise him for just a minute? Lord, we thank you, God, for what you're doing in this house, God. Thank you for the peace. Thank you for the peace that we feel. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He says, be of good cheer. You can have joy, too. You can have joy, too. It doesn't, not just peace, but you can have joy. 
When it doesn't make sense, you can be joyful. Hallelujah. You can have joy. You can have everlasting joy living for God. You don't have to feel that despair. Even in the situations around you, when they're not going well, you can tap back into that spirit. You can tap back into that Holy Ghost and you can receive that supernatural joy. John chapter 16, verse 22, And ye know therefore have sorrow. Now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. How can you be so happy? How can you have so much joy? I'll tell you why. Because he overcame the world, and he's coming again. He's coming again. He overcame it, and he's coming back for us. That's why I can have joy. I can have a hope in him. First John chapter 4 and verse 4 says, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. If you want to have some joy tonight, let me tell you what you have to do. You have to tap into the presence of the Holy Ghost. When you get into his presence, oh, what a joy you'll feel. Oh, it doesn't matter that you're going through a trial. It doesn't matter that you're going through a storm. I know life can be difficult, but he is greater that is in me than he that is in the world. I can be excited and I can have joy because he has overcome the world. Oh, hallelujah. First Peter. I'm winding down. First Peter chapter 1, verse 8 and 9 says, Whom having not seen ye love, and whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. So I talked about the peace that doesn't make sense. Now I want to talk about the joy that you can't even articulate. Joy that's unspeakable. Joy that I can't explain. You can have that. You can have that joy that gets you up in the morning. That you say every single day I'm going to walk in newness of life. Every single day I'm going to tap back into the presence of the Holy Ghost. I can have joy through Him because He has overcome the world. Amen. Let's stand. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Paul and Silas were in prison, shackled in chains. I'm sure they were surrounded by criminals, did terrible things, depressed, despair, no hope, no light. It says it was the midnight hour, as dark as it could be. And Paul and Silas are sitting there and they're singing and they're praising God. What's wrong with you, Paul and Silas? Why are you so joyful? Why are you so happy, Paul and Silas? Why are you doing that? Don't you see that your world around you is caving in? Don't you see that all around you, you're failing, that you're in prison right now, that it doesn't look like you're gonna get out? Everything around you is terrible, but there they are, Paul and Silas are just worshiping anyway. They're right. just praising anyway. Why? Because Jesus has overcome the world, and he can take us out tonight, but he has still overcome right. the world, and he was worshiping. And all of a sudden, when they did that, the chains fell off. The chains fell off. The, the, the gate swung open. And all of a sudden, they were able to have freedom. All of a sudden, they were able to get into that presence. But if you can step out of your situation for a moment. Yes. And you can say, God, I want your presence. Brother Justin, if you put up that last picture. Sister Shauna posted this on Facebook the other day. It's a view I know. It's a view a lot of you know. Yes. You want to know how you can overcome? 
get to that altar. I don't know what you have need of. I don't know what's going on in your life. Maybe you need to be reminded not to let idols creep up into your life. Maybe you need to be reminded to not let conveniences of this world to get in the way of your relationship with God. Maybe you've already allowed some despair to get into you. Maybe you've already allowed some anxiety to get into you. I want you to know there's a peace for you. There's a joy for you. Oh, I think it'd be okay if some of us just came. Maybe you need to lie down at this altar. Maybe you need to dance. Maybe you need to push through and say, God, I want some joy in my life. These altars are open. You can come and you can tap into that spirit. Tap into that presence of the Holy Ghost. That's where your joy is. That's where your peace is. Oh, hallelujah.